You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. What's up, guys? I'm Ben. It's really great to see y'all. I'm really encouraged by this morning. It's just been good weather. I had a good time with God this morning. Uh, the songs were amazing. Um, it was just, uh, just one of those great mornings. So I just feel really blessed. I hope you guys feel the same way. Um, and we're in this series. Oh, wait, real quick. The teen class can go. If you're a teen, um, or if you're helping with the teen class, y'all are dismissed. I almost forgot, Steve. I almost forgot. <laughs> but we're in this series called The Kingdom of Light. Um, and if you're wondering, what is the Kingdom of Light? Maybe you are unfamiliar. Maybe you haven't been here. Um, well, It is simply the kingdom of heaven, or just heaven, lived out on earth by disciples, by people who follow Jesus. So it's this interesting aspect of like heaven is is in the future, but it's also right now because we live it out. And that is what we are. We are light, heaven in this dark world. That's the kingdom of light. And there are different aspects and ways we do that. So we got to hear from CJ and Cherie a couple weeks ago, um, and they're going to be coming on uh, to help us out. So that's really, really awesome to see that they're going to join the West Side. Um, and they talked about that we're citizens of the kingdom of light, right? We're temporary residents on earth, but our real citizenship is in heaven. And they talked about being a salt, and they talked about being light, and the different aspects of that. And then Steve talked about two Two words for love in Greek that you find in the Bible, which are phileo, brotherly love, and agape, self-sacrificial, kind of covenantal love. And he also proved that you don't have to be Kenny to know Greek, right? Which is good news. <laughs> and uh, then John Oakes talked about um, the idea that we're unveiled before God. So before Jesus came... We had a veil between us and God, but through Jesus' blood, the veil was lifted, and we see God face to face. And that, that inspires us to be Christ and to become like him and be a light in the world. My sermon today is going to be titled, The Upside-Down Kingdom, Concept to Concrete. The Upside-Down Kingdom, From Concept to Concrete. Let's pray. Dear Father, I am just so grateful again just to be here to share my heart, God. I'm so grateful that you've given me the opportunity to share um, just what you've taught me at Pepperdine over the years, um, the different things that are on my heart um, I get to share with my family, and it's just really a blessing, God. But I really pray that your Holy Spirit is here, God, like, like the song we sang. Your Holy Spirit would guide us in everything we do. God, that your spirit, you would just fill up, fill us up, God, that through um, just, you know, what I say, God, that the spirit would guide me and that you would guide the hearts of everybody as um, we talk about this concept of what it means to live out your kingdom in an upside down way. I love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So if y'all could open up to Acts chapter one, we're going right to the beginning of Acts you open up your Bible, you can pull out your phone. You know, I'm Gen Z, so I'm all about the phones. You know, some people are like, no, it has to be the real Bible. I'm like, nah, this is the future. We're, we're pulling out our phones now, right? <laughs> so, 
It reads, in my former book, Theophilus. Okay, hold up. Who's Theophilus? Well, we're not exactly sure, but the fact that he is addressing, the author is addressing Theophilus shows us that it's the same author as the book of Luke. So the former book is the book of Luke, which is an account of Jesus' life. And he, and he addresses Theophilus, who is probably a patron, because it costs a lot of money to write back then. Papyrus was expensive, and it was very high, educa- only highly educated people could write. So Theophilus might be a patron. So in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So imagine the scene, right? You're one of the disciples of Jesus, and you've been following him. You leave your family for him. You, you experience homelessness for Jesus, and you don't know where you're going, and you follow him, you give up your life for him, and, and then he's taken by the Romans, and he's ridiculed and crucified before your very eyes. Imagine how you would feel. Who do you look up to? Imagine they're just crucified before your very eyes. It must have been painful. It must have been heartbreaking. It must have been extremely confusing. But against all odds, against everything that you thought could have happened, he's alive. And, and he comes to you, and, he's, and you don't understand at first. It says in Luke, they didn't get it. Their eyes were shut. They, they, had, they couldn't fathom that Jesus was alive. But he puts out his hands and his feet. And he says, look at my hands, look at my feet. Touch them. And now you're touching the wounds of Jesus. And all of a sudden, this concept Right. Just the concept, all the things Jesus talked about, everything he spoke about becomes extremely real as you touch his wounds. Have you ever experienced this kind of moment? Maybe not as extreme and crazy, but a moment when something abstract became real. Right. I have. And unfortunately, it has to do with the impoverished and poor people. Because a lot of people, including myself, can view them as, as a concept, as a statistic. Like, we might know the numbers about poor people. We might know about them. We might know about, in, like, um, incarceration. You know, we, we know them as a concept, but it's until we actually communicate with them, we, we could see them as a real thing. So one summer, actually last summer, Last summer, I did an internship in New Mexico, and um, it was like a mission trip. Like we did, uh, we went out and evangelized, and once a week we went to Santa Fe. Has anybody been to Santa Fe? Okay, we got a couple. It's a really, really cool place. I, I think you should go. Every building's made of adobe. Um, the art and music is just amazing there. It's just such a odd. It's one of those weird places. You're like, does this place really exist? It does. And um, there's also a lot of poor people there. A lot. 
So once a week, we went to the city square, and we went and evangelized. And the people who wanted to talk to us were those poor people. The people who desired, they're seeking, were those people who didn't have homes. So one time, um, we, we, we would pack sandwiches to give to them. And one time, we um, packed a sandwich. We gave it to this guy who's sitting down. Um, and I just asked him, how'd you get here? What's your story? And his face lit up. No one asked him that. But he told me all these stories about him traveling across the country and um, just seeing places, hitchhiking and crazy situations. But I asked him about the Bible, and, and he knew so much about the Bible, more than anyone I met on like the whole trip. And I was just so surprised. But in that moment, something, a concept, you know, a, something that I knew about, maybe statistic, like I, I see them but look away became real because I interacted with it. You see, our faith is this way. It's a concept, but it becomes real when we live it out. Our faith is as real as the wounds of Jesus. So when the disciples, they touched his wounds, everything was a concept until, man, they saw it in real time. They saw him And then all of a sudden, everything changed. Everything changes when our faith moves from concept to reality. So there's a lot of things in the scriptures, guys, that um, that we treat like this. There's a lot of things that we see as a concept we read about, but unfortunately, we don't live out. One of those things, the thing I'm going to focus on is this idea of the upside down kingdom. And it also relates to our series, The Kingdom of Life. And some of you guys know this phrase, upside down kingdom. You've heard it. Um, A lot of you probably haven't. Um, So when I say upside down, I simply mean that the things we consider powerful, important, and attractive here on earth are flipped over in the kingdom of God. So everything we see powerful, everything that that we reach for in the world, in, in society, that you see, you know, money, fame, those things are seen as low in the kingdom of God. But things like service, humility, sacrifice, death for others, those things are glorified in the kingdom of heaven. And like I said, that is not just in the future. We live it out now. That's what it means to be the kingdom of life. So, so this kind of remains a concept in our minds. And I'm going to go over just a lot of scriptures, and nail it on the head. This is a huge theme, especially in the book of Luke. And this is just the book of Luke, and it's all over. So I'll just, and if you want to take a picture and study this out um, for a Bible time or over a couple days, go for it, because it is just like so deep. This theme is important. So I'm going to read that first scripture, and the rest I'm just going to summarize. The first one says, For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Like like the one sitting at the restaurant or the waiter? Which one's greater? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as one who serves. Isn't that crazy? Jesus, the king, serves. He's not served. And then the next scripture, Jesus says, 
The kingdom is God, of God is for the poor. Blessed are the poor, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Matthew says the poor in spirit. Luke says the poor. So it's like this kingdom is not for the rich. It's for the poor. It's upside down. And then the next one says that the kingdom of God is the smallest mustard seed. The smallest of all the seeds. Not the biggest, not the most. It's tiny, but it grows into the biggest tree. It just grows. And so what seems to be the smallest thing in the kingdom of heaven is the greatest thing. And the next one says... It exemplifies that you give up everything to receive the kingdom of God. You do not accumulate. When you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, you stop accumulating like everyone around us does. And you start giving up things for the sake of Christ. And then look and then you must be like a child to inherit the kingdom of heaven. You must be like a child, not like a grown adult. And back then they didn't. They didn't see children as people. I know it sounds weird to say, but they, they saw children as a burden on society. And they didn't respect children as, as humans until they grew up. So, so this is so countercultural. He says, you must be like a child to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's just crazy. And then look at how Jesus, look at the end of Jesus' life. He enters Jerusalem on a donkey. Not a steed. It's like a spoof on what it is to be a king. He's like, no, I'm a humble king. And then he's disowned by his friends. And then he suffers in the hands of the Romans a death for the sake of his friends. The same ones who betrayed him. And above his head on the cross is written... King of the Jews. And although they're making fun of him, they're like, you say you're the king of the Jews. What's going to save you now? I think that's God revealing the true nature of what it means to be a king, to be glorified. It's upside down. It's backwards. So it should be obvious, right? Isn't it supposed to be obvious to us? We believe these things. We read them over and over. This is just one small list of the many scriptures that show this point that the kingdom of God is upside down, but sometimes we just fail to live it out. And this this brings us right back to the, the moment in Acts 1, where they are. Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, and it says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the, the, the culmination of Jesus' ministry. The end, he, he speaks about the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus ascends and the Holy Spirit comes and helps them. And what's funny is... is he doesn't explain what, what, who the Holy Spirit is. He just kind of says it. So what do you think they would ask? Well, Jesus, what is this Holy Spirit you're talking about? Right? I would be so curious. What, who is the Holy Spirit? But this is their response. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom 
to Israel. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And that's a loaded question. Like, if you look at that word restore, it it means that you bring back something that used to exist. So what are they talking about? They're talking about David, the time of David, when Israel had their own kingdom and things were great and they were unified. But David sinned and the people of Israel sinned and then and then his son sinned and then they ended up falling into idolatry and and they went into exile. So they were waiting for this Messiah, the anointed one, who they thought Jesus was him and Jesus was the Messiah. But he came in a way different way than they were expecting. He, they thought the Messiah would be this king and they would rule. You see, they were still concerned with power. They were still concerned with being a kingdom, have, ruling over people, even though Jesus exemplified over and over and over and over that you give up your power, that you don't accumulate, you give, right? And it's easy to say, oh, that's, man, they don't get it. But we do the same thing. And that's the point. Unfortunately, Christians can be pretty bad at this. I mean, just look at all the examples of corrupt pastors. I think what happens is people will become, you know, it's successful in in their careers and they're just a domineering person. And then they enter a community where, where they're Christians, right? They enter a Christian community, but instead of crucifying their desire for power and dominance, what they do is they just transfer it over there. They transfer it from whatever they were doing before to their Christian community, and it leads to all kinds of abuse, you know, sexual abuse and embezzlement, uh, unhealthy leadership environments. And it, you know, it can be in the most, you know, huge megachurch news things, but it doesn't just happen there. It happens in all kinds of small churches, too. You know, it, so even Christians can be bad at this, but not just, you know, megachurch pastors and, and whatever, but, but all of us at times can seek, you know, what the world seeks. I'm going to ask a couple questions that can enlighten maybe where you do this. Who do you look up to? Do you look up to the person who got that promotion? You know, do you look up to the Jeff Bezos of the world, you know? Do you want to become that person? Who do you look up to? It shows you kind of if you're right side up or upside down, right? Look at the time you spend. And and I'm bad at this. This is this one this is the question that convicted myself. <laughs> You know, I spend a lot of time doing things like um, that I enjoy, like I skateboard and and surf and all that stuff. And I like watch YouTube videos about surfing or whatever. And it sounds silly, but like I'll spend more time doing that than praying or or um, reading the Bible. And I know it's like, well, you know, it's fine. But for me, I, I just wonder, like, man, what would it look like if I valued spending time with God much more than I did? Um, you know, doing anything I like to do. And especially, how do you view those lower than you? The poor, the sick, the imprisoned, the oppressed. According to Luke, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
How about the person who is a step below you in your job? How do you view them? How do you treat them? All of these questions kind of reveal what we value, if we're right side up or upside down, right? But Jesus responds to their question. So their question was, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he responds to, to our question and, and when we desire power and we desire just the way that um, our society sees things. He responds to it and he says, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he knew they wanted power. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. So they thought they were going to receive actual worldly power. They thought they were going to be kings next to Jesus as Jesus is on the throne and, and they would dominate the world. That's what they thought. But Jesus gives them upside down power given by the Holy Spirit. And they didn't even know what this meant. But little did they know the Spirit would guide them out, not bring others in under them. The Holy Spirit makes us a light to the world. And it's funny because they knew they knew from the beginning that they would be a light to the nations. It says in Genesis, God says to Abraham, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. But they just thought, ah, they'll come into us and we'll be the rulers. Jesus took that and flipped it over. No, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and then the ends of the earth. You will go out led by the spirit. And that is what it means to be the kingdom of light. We go out. Guys, we don't wait for people to come to our front door. We don't just sit and wait. We go out to people. We find those people. They exist. We know them as like a concept, but we find them and we make our faith real. Like Jesus wounds. You know, we go out. That's what it means. We show people what it means to believe. Right? That we can be a light to the world. So I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here. Um, and I'm going to do uh, the communion questions, and they're also going to be the, um, the action steps. Right? So hopefully those um, questions can uh, convict you guys. So um, what, what do I mean by communion discussion? Well, before we do communion, we like to commune with each other. So if you all can get into groups of two or three, not much more than that, just for the sake of time, two or three, so you all can all answer the questions um, and just discuss these questions. What from the scriptures have you read about but never tried? What from the scriptures have you read about but never tried? How can you go out and bring the upside-down kingdom to earth? All right, y'all can go ahead and discuss.
All right, y'all, let's bring it in, bring it in. You finish up your conversations. You know, we're talking about just how the Holy Spirit, you know, leads us. The Holy Spirit leads us. And we talked about how, you know, Jesus' ministry culminates with the coming of the Spirit. And, and communion is a reminder of what Jesus did for that. Communion is just a reminder of, okay, the body and blood of Jesus was shed for us. And we take the grace of God when we take communion. So at this time, we're going to, after I pray, um, you can take communion. And then um, we, we take some time to reflect with some music in the background so you all can pray. Um, so let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you so much for just, um, man, your revelation, Jesus. Like, you came into this earth and it flipped everything over. You know, it's too radical. It's too radical to be a human idea. I just think, man, that, that was just so your revelation to us, your gift to us. God, as I, I pray that as we reflect on the cross, we can take in your grace and forgiveness and remember what you've done for us. So I love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.